everybody, and welcome back to the Creative Kindergarten Podcast. My name is Amanda, and I'm an early childhood educator in Ontario, Canada. And this is my podcast where I just talk about all different kinds of kindergarten topics, kind of whatever I feel like talking about that week, really, whatever um, kind of inspires me to do a podcast episode for the week. And this is actually episode number 65. And I was thinking about, you know, springtime and I was watching the bunny uh, hop around in my backyard and I'm thinking about all my plants. And I thought I would share a couple of um, spring-like activities that I have done in the past that have really been successful, um, mostly around like um, life cycle of different kinds of animals that I have done in the class and just some of my experiences with that. If that's something that you would like to ever try with your students, I thought I would share, um, some of the things that I've done. So I hope that you are going to enjoy this episode of the podcast and I'm excited to jump right into this topic. Over the years, I have done a few different life cycle um, types of things in my classroom. They always um, make me extremely nervous but excited because like these involve live animals and I never want to, you know, cause harm to any living creature. Like I talked about um, a worm inquiry last week and if that's something that's interesting interesting to you to live, interesting you think would be interesting to listen to. I can't even speak this wording. This is going to be a tough one. Um, If that's something that you'd be interested in listening to, you can check out last week's episode where I talk about Sparky Inquiry and we did a lot around worms. And, you know, my teaching partner was like, oh, we can like measure the worms. We can bring the worms inside. We can do all this with them. And um, for me, I don't know if that's ever really an option to like experiment on a live creature. So that was like a hard no for me just because, you know, they're they're the worms are out there living their lives, like doing what they need to be doing. And I don't want to be disrupting that by bringing them inside the classroom and like using them in that way. So we we just like used pretend worms in our classroom for some of the inquiry that we did do just because I don't want to be you know, taking them out of their environment. Though one year we did, they're called roly polies. I don't know what other people call them. They're like these little bugs and they usually live like near trees. And when you pick them up, they roll into like a little ball and they have like a hard outer shell. I don't know what they're called in other places, but our kids were calling them roly polies. And our kids were obsessed with these roly polies. And so what we did was we built them like a terrarium where they could live. And so we took them inside and we put them in this terrarium and so that they could observe them. We gave them food. We made sure they had everything they needed to survive. Like we put um, like leaves in there with uh, like muddy soil and things like that. So we would make sure we weren't harming the roly polies. They were just coming in. And then after, you know, the kids had had time to investigate them and learn more about them and write about them, like maybe not even a week later, we put them back outside and we kept they they were able to keep living their lives like I was okay with that but I don't want to bring worms in just to like measure them and compare them in that way so that's kind of where I draw the line so when we were talking about you know the different animals and life cycles that we can do in our classroom I get really nervous that I'm going to harm these animals in some way that you know I'm going to do something wrong and it's going to bring harm to them not only because then I feel like the kids are going to be really sad that, you know, something happened to the the animals in our classroom. But then also, like, I'm just going to feel sad that I somehow um, didn't give them the best chances of survival. So there's been a few things. A favorite that we do do every year is butterflies. So we get, you know, caterpillars 
they're teeny teeny like size of your nail caterpillars they're so small and they come like the ones that we buy come with their own food and they eat this food and they get bigger and bigger and bigger like you can watch them grow day by day that's it's amazing to watch and i love that it happens kind of fast so that kids can see the changes that are happening really fast we usually get painted lady butterflies and you they eat, 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 and then they become cocoons, and then you transfer the cocoons into like a net or some kind of um, cage thing that they can't escape into out of, and then they emerge, and then they become butterflies, and you left, leave them, like dry their wings out, and you leave them for a couple of days inside the classroom, and then you can release them. And, you know, I think from start to finish, I'm going to be totally wrong on this. I think it's 28 days. I could be totally wrong on that, but the kids get to see like every stage of it happening in their classroom. They come in every day excited to see what's going on. They get to write about it. They get to talk about it. And it's just a really amazing experience. And every year that we do this, I just, I'm so excited even myself to watch it happen because it's so beautiful to see. And so definitely if you've never done butterflies with your students, I think that's like one of the easier ones to get, you know, involved in just because if you order a kit of, you know, butterflies or caterpillars from a place, it usually comes with everything. In my experience, it comes with everything you need to get them started. And then if you have like the cage or the netting um, structure, whatever it is, um, for one year, you can just keep reusing it year after year after year. And then once they emerge, um, to feed them. I know there's different ways to do this. You can do, I think it's like Gatorade and water or sugar water. There's some kind of mixture you can do, but what we really just did was we brought in oranges and we just put slices of oranges and I would just change out the slices of oranges every day for the butterflies. And that's like perfectly okay. So like low maintenance, easy to do, perfect. That's why I love butterflies. And then what's really amazing is that when you go to release the butterflies, if you have kids that are okay with this like I've had every once in a while a kid that wasn't okay I would take out a butterfly we would usually have about 12 I would take out a butterfly and I would put some orange juice on the kid's hand and then place the butterfly on their hand and the butterfly would usually stay for a little while and I'd be able to take pictures so as we were releasing the butterflies the kids were always so patient because they loved this part we would sit in our outdoor garden near our, our, our school and the kids would sit down in a circle and I would place a butterfly on each of their hands one by one. And then as they're holding the butterfly, I'd be able to take a picture of them holding the butterfly so that then I can send these pictures to the families and families love these pictures let me tell you of the kids holding the butterflies and the pictures every year turn out amazing I have a picture of myself holding a butterfly that I absolutely love that my teaching partner took of me and it's just it usually happens towards the end of the year because you know by the time you get the butterflies they hatch they become butterflies and then you release them like it's towards the end of the year I think we usually do it in around June and so it's kind of one of those like end of the year activities that just I don't know like really put a bow into the end of the year. And it's just such an amazing experience. I send those pictures to the families. I think I printed them out one year for families. And it's just such a great, like they really truly love it. And if there's a child that really, so I've had children that are like, please do not put this butterfly on me. I will never ever force them to have a butterfly. Sometimes I will just put my hand with the butterfly in front of them so that they can see it. And I'll take a picture. Like they won't be holding the butterfly, but at least the picture will have the butterfly and their child and like my hand in it for the family and I usually like one butterfly can usually last me like two or three kids so like 
it won't fly away right away if you have orange juice on your hands because they're so used to eating the orange juice and they're so used to like me putting my hand in the netting from changing the orange juice the orange slices and stuff they're pretty used to human touch by then so they don't fly away right away and so I can usually get at least two or three kids out of each butterfly so I can get around to all of the kids and take their pictures. So yeah, it's just was a really great experience. If you haven't done butterflies, it's a great place to start with your kindergarten students. And I don't think it's too late in the year to order your butterfly kits. You know, I think it only takes 28 days. Please don't quote me on that. I can't actually remember. I think it only takes 28 days, but you do have to remember that like it needs to get to you and shipping and stuff like that so if that's something you want to do I would get that on that quickly um and the other one that I love to do and they kind of go hand in hand um we did chick and duck eggs and I was the most nervous I have ever been in my entire life for doing something to you know like bring to life chicken and ducks from eggs like I didn't grow up on a farm or anything like that I've never um, raised chickens or ducks or had any of those animals in my life. Like I've had dogs and cats, but never chicks and ducks and definitely not from eggs. And so what well, the, this is like a more expensive venture, I would say, because you do have to get an incubator. Um, I wrote out a proposition to get an incubator. I wrote out a proposition proposition for our principal and in it, I think he, he's we had a great relationship I think he thought I was very much over the top with this but I think it was at least three pages long and what I did is I went into our kindergarten program and I pulled all of our expectations that would be met if we were able to get you know an incubator and raise duck eggs from this incubator and so I wrote like out this three-page proposition asked and like broke down the cost of everything and like did 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 the most I could do because I really wanted to get this incubator. And he said, yes, he actually, he didn't say yes right away. I put it on his desk and I said, hey, whenever you get a chance, read this, please. And I put it on his desk and he gave me a look. And then I walked out of the office. And then at the end of the day, he just came in. And he's like, yeah, just get whatever you need. Just please don't do this again. <laughs> don't make me read this again kind of deal. It was just, it, we had a great relationship. It was funny. Um, so I was able to get the incubator. So researching incubators that I spent a lot of time with this you can get like incubators off of Amazon and you know there's these plastic things and they kind of look like egg shaped I got like a massive incubator I think it cost at least $400 to get this incubator again that's why I wrote this whole proposition it was kind of uh, an expensive one but when I bought the incubator the number one thing that I would definitely tell you if this is something you're looking into is to make sure it has an egg turner attachment so basically like there's a heating element in the um in in the incubator itself and you know you have to make sure that the eggs are rotating throughout the day so they get the same amount of heat like throughout the egg so that they develop properly at least that's my understanding of why we need an egg turner so unless you want to go back on weekends and on holidays and turn the eggs manually like two or three times a day like get an egg turner because you don't want to be transporting the eggs back and forth. Like once you set up the incubator, like you want to be able to leave it wherever it is and walk away. So I definitely would recommend an egg turner if you're getting one. This incubator kit, the one that I ended up buying, had the egg turner. It had the eating heating element. had a pretty big, I think it was a 24 egg incubator. Um, it had the, um, the stuff for the 
like um to make like an enclosure for the ducks or chicks once they hatched it had a um what's it called the thing that you can check the eggs uh, it's like a flashlight but you put it up to the eggs and then you can see inside of the eggs like how the chick or the duck inside is developing a candler that's why they that's what it's called a candler and you put this um candler up to the egg and you can like see inside and you can see the development of the animal which is another great tool you can use your cell phone light um I just ended up using the candler because it's just like it's very compact and easy to use and it came with um, the enclosure that you would put the eggs or the the chi- not the eggs the chicks or the ducks after they hatched so it came with a lot of things and it came with the the um, like the things to put water and food in like it was it was a whole packet of stuff uh I think it came I'm in Canada but I think it came from the states we didn't end up having to pay duties on it I was very nervous that I was gonna have to end up costing our school more money than I had originally put in the plan with like duties and stuff but we didn't end up getting charged duty so that was good but I would definitely do some research into the incubator but again like it's a big upfront cost but then you can reuse that thing year after year after year like it's not going to like you don't have to rebuy an incubator every year it's not like you're spending four hundred dollars like I bought that thing I'm gonna say like six years ago at least and like other than last year with COVID with all of the everything that happened there like we weren't able to use it last year like other than that like you can re we've reused it every year and you know because we paid quite a bit of money for it like it's held up over time and I make sure to clean it out properly after the hatch but that is amazing so yeah if you want that if you want to do ducks or chick eggs, I would definitely recommend investing in a in a pretty good incubator just because, you know, you want to also make sure that it keeps the heat like at a stable temperature as well, which is important for the development of the ducks or the chick eggs. And then I would just for the actual eggs themselves, like I just looked into a local zoo that had them and they gave the, the eggs for free. Like we didn't have to pay for the eggs. We would just go and pick them up and then we had to bring them like the the chicks or the ducks back seven days after they hatched and they have no expectation of like oh you have to bring like if I give you 12 eggs you have to bring them back 12 ducks like they're not all going to hatch and that's like a big thing that we always started this unit with with was telling the kids like to prepare them that we have 12 eggs but that doesn't mean we're getting 12 ducks or 12 chicks part of nature is that they're not all going to develop they're not all even if they do develop in the egg they're not all going to hatch and even if they do hatch it doesn't mean that you know they'll be able to live and grow um to be adult ducks or chicks so we we started off by preparing them for that and i think that's an important part because if you get 12 eggs you'll be lucky if you get half um i think the first year we did ducks i got 12 duck eggs I want to say I got six, maybe seven ducks. And then the year I did chicks, I think I would have to go back and look. I think I did, I got about five or six chicks. And then I did ducks again the year after. And I think we got five or six ducks. So like, you're never going to get like, well, maybe never is not like, I don't know, maybe you could, but you're never going to get like all 12 eggs to hatch. Like even some, you would candle them um, after like the first week to see, because you can see like the development of the chick within the egg and you look online and they'll tell you whether or not um, an egg is like fertilized and viable if it's going to grow um, after you candle it after the first week or something you'll be able to see like a spot that's growing and like I candled them after the first week and there was a few right off the bat that we knew were never going to grow 
and that's just the way it is. Um, once So once you first get the eggs, I put an X on one side and an O on the other side of the egg so that I can make sure they are rotating properly. And then, so I would make sure that X was facing up in the morning and then I would manually turn them at night before I left the school to the O side. And then I would come back the next day and change them to the X. I wouldn't go in on weekends. It wasn't that big of a deal. I just wanted to make sure that they were really getting a good turn at least like once or twice a day. And that always worked out for me. And always keeping an eye on the humidity level in the incubator and the heat is also another important aspect of it. But um, all that information can be found online. I actually have a five-part blog post on how we raise ducks in our kindergarten classroom and I'll link that in the show notes for you if that's something you're really interested in but yeah and then I would I numbered each of the eggs as well so I numbered them from 1 to 12 so that when we were making predictions when we were writing about the eggs we could write the numbers I did not want to name the eggs before they hatched just because you know we're not going to get all 12 of them so we're not naming them we're putting numbers on them and we named them after they were hatched but yeah I would put an x on one side and o on the other side and give them a number so that you can keep track of the growth and you can make predictions about them and you can really um, track what is happening in each of the eggs. And yeah, and then you just kind of let them sit there and rotate all day long and the kids can go up and our incubator had like a little window and they can check inside. And then about once a week, what we would do is, and this sounds really weird, but you know, this is what we had to do because when you candle the eggs, it has to be really dark. So if you're in your classroom, even if you close the blinds and close the lights, like it's still really hard to see inside the eggs. It has to be like pitch black for you to be able to candle the egg properly. So what I would do is we had a bathroom in our kindergarten classroom and I would take like little groups of four or five students at a time and we would just go into the bathroom and close the lights and close the door so we'd be able to candle the eggs it sounds weird but it worked really well and the kids were able to see the growth and like track the growth and we took pictures of the eggs along the growth so that we could um compare it from week to week it worked really well for us and again this is like more towards the end of the year when you're doing this so you've built a relationship with the kids. The kids are excited for these things. They have a lot better self-regulation skills. So, you know, we would go into a dark bathroom and close the door. You know, you I pr- would always prepare them. Like, it's going to get really dark, but we have a basket of eggs. We have to be careful. We can't just start screaming and yelling that we're in a dark spot. Like, relax. We're all in here together. We're just here to check the eggs. And after the, like... You know, there's always that kid that's going to scream when it goes dark, when you turn off the lights. Um, But after the first time, they got really used to that being part of their day. And then other classrooms would come and visit and go into the bathroom with the eggs and check them out. You know, that was just part of our day. They would come in and check them. And we had four, usually around four kindergarten classes. But um, especially the first couple years that we had the incubator, I was the one who, you know, um, I for the first two years, I was the one who had the incubator in the classroom. But other classrooms were more than welcome to come and visit, take the eggs to their classroom do their observations and bring them back they could be out of the incubator like for a stretch of time like they don't have to stay in the incubator you want to make sure you put them back as quickly as possible but they can be brought out of the incubator um for stretches of time you have to think like um if the eggs were left on a farm like in a nest with a chicken or a duck or whatever like the chicken or the duck's gonna get up and move around like it won't be underneath um a nesting chick or duck the entire time so you can move them around. You can like, you just don't want to like shake them or whatever, but yeah, they, they're pretty resilient. And so, yeah, we would just, uh, wait, I think again, I'm going to say 28 days. I can't remember. I put everything in that blog post, um, the five part blog post about ducks. So if you have like 
more concrete questions about this, it's probably answered in those blog posts or you can send me a message. But um, after about 28 days, like you start to hear like peeping sounds coming from the eggs. And I remember like the first time this happened, I was like in shock that this is something that could happen. Like you could hear the peeping coming from inside of the eggs. And like the fact that I had like like kept these chicks alive or the ducks alive for long enough for them to start peeping inside the eggshells like it brought tears to my eyes I was so worried that I was gonna kill these ducks before they had a chance at life but um yeah they started peeping like crazy one night I think it was after our welcome to kindergarten night we were all just like in a quiet classroom like just talking and then we started to hear the peeping coming from the incubator and I was like oh my God, like that is amazing. And yeah, and then you, then once you start hearing peeping, you're not supposed to touch the eggs is my understanding. And so we would just like, now that the peeping is started, we just like didn't touch it. And then the kids came in the next day and they were so excited to hear the peeping. And then you start seeing like little cracks in the eggshells and you're just freaking out because this means that they're hatching and it takes a while. Like it's not like they hatch and all of a sudden they like pop out. Like it takes a while for them to start hatching out of the eggs. And so this just happened to happen over our weekend. So the custodian was amazing and he was there I think on the Sunday and he was letting us know that like there was there was definitely baby ducks in that attached out of eggs inside the incubator and you're supposed to let them stay inside of the incubator like even though they had hatched over the weekend like you can leave them in the incubator over a day um, as they dry out because you're supposed to leave them stay warm in the incubator um, I wouldn't leave them any longer than that like if I if I if they had hatched Friday night I probably would have gone in on the Saturday or Sunday to to like take them out of the incubator but they hatched on the Sunday and so I left them in until we got there on the Monday. And then I opened the incubator on the Monday and out like there was just a whole bunch of ducks just like looking up at me and peeping. And I couldn't believe it. It was just the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And we set up like the we had already set up like the brooding. I don't know what it's called, like the cage that we put in. It's, it's not even a cage. It was just like some plastic walls that you put up. And my biggest suggestion would be to put down a ton of newspaper these things are going to poop like crazy. Like just the amount of poop that they produce is just unbelievable. So I would definitely have um, a lot of newspaper down. And that's the other thing the incubator kit came with was a heat lamp. I forgot to mention that. It came with a heat lamp so that you could put the heat lamp over the, the ducks or the chicks after they hatch. And you'll see they congregate under the heat lamp like right away. And what you the way ours was you can start um, by putting it low so that you know they have enough heat and then as they're growing bigger you can bring it up higher and higher and eventually they don't need the heat lamp you can kind of just tell that they all start by huddling underneath the heat lamp and then they start like moving away from the heat lamp when it's too hot like they know like I put the heat lamp in one corner of like their enclosure so that if it was too hot, they could move away from it. And you can tell as soon as they start moving away from it, it's time to raise the heat lamp or move the heat lamp or just take away the heat lamp completely. And yeah, definitely putting newspaper down was a huge deal. These things pooped like crazy. We had to change it, the paper, at least two times a day. Like when we came in first thing in the morning, like, oh my gosh, it was full of poop. But yeah, you can just leave them. They just chill in that enclosure 
the kids are so excited. Um, the first day, you know, the kid, they're not used to all of the sounds and all of the, and I'm talking about ducks just cause this is my first time with ducks, but the same thing for the chicks, like you would just leave them for the first day. They just want to chill. And then after for a couple of days, they start getting used to the noises. They start getting used to hands coming into the enclosure. They're not as terrified, um, of like getting, um, picked up and stuff. And yeah, it's just a great experience. Um, between the two of ducks and chicks, I really did love having ducks because one of the things is like after they've been out of the eggs for like four or five days, you can put them in water and they love to swim. And so we got like a big bin of water and we put it in the middle of our floor and we had the kids sit around it. And we just put the ducks in the water and the ducks will just start swimming and diving under the water and jumping out and flapping their wings. And then they'll get out of the water and like run around. And the ki- if the kids are in a circle, they'll run up to the kids and like start um, uh, like, you know, looking at the kids and then running back into the water. And they just love it. They would just like run around in the water, swim around. And the kids, like the giggles and the laughs and the videos I have from the kids watching the ducks just run around is just amazing. The chicks were fun too. Um, They don't go in the water like the ducks do, obviously. So, you know, we would just sit in a circle and the chicks would run around and um, come up and peep at all the kids. And it was really cute too. But just the ducks with the added aspect of being able to put them in water is just like that much more fun. But yeah, that was um, a great experience as well. So I've done butterflies, chicks and ducks. And even though ducks, it's like terrifying to raise any animal from an egg, I swear. Um, even though ducks were the most terrifying, they were my favorite out of the three, just because of that like swimming aspect at the end. And you can bring them outside and they can run around in the grass as well. Like they're, they're, they're ducks, right? They're either going to live on a farm so they can just run around, um, as long as you don't lose any of them. <clears throat> And they run pretty fast after a couple days, but yeah. And the best part is like after the seven days are up, you just pack them up into a box and you bring them back to the farm. And because it's a local to us farm, like a local to the school, like you can tell the families, you can now go visit the ducks at the farm. So then the kids are so excited. And a few of them did go to the farm after we had, um, raise these ducks and you know even though there's like a hundred ducks on the farm they were like oh yeah I definitely saw Gary at the farm or whoever whatever we named the ducks and so and just another little added aspect of it so yeah if you can um convince you know somebody to buy you an incubator for your classroom like you can ask the principal of course but there's also like the parent committees like the SCC you can do a fundraiser in your class for one and again it lasts year after year after year and it's such a great investment and like the other grades as well would would come in and visit because they were also excited about the ducks you can have the kids do a presentation for the older grades about what they learn about the duck life cycle or the chick life cycle Again, it's just such a great learning experience for the kids and a hands-on experience. And it just like wraps up the end of the year so nicely. And you're able to just get like some really amazing moments with your class at the end of the year that like will stay with them. Like I'm sure they'll remember like for a very long time, the year that they raised ducks in the class and the families love it. They come in and check out the chicks. I did try to set up a live stream one year of uh of our incubator so that you know families could come and like log in online and like check on the ducks or the eggs anytime they wanted i could not 
just the way our computer system was set up at the school, I could not figure that out. But um, if I do it again, I will definitely try setting up some kind of live stream for the families just because then the kids could go home and like show their families exactly what we're doing in the classroom. And that homeschool connection is so important. But yeah, the only other thing that I've never tried and I've always wanted to try was tadpoles. I know one year we were supposed to get tadpoles, but... Um, and this is no shade to her, but the teacher that was supposed to get them, I think she just waited like a week too long to go to the pond near her house and grab them. And like they were just past the point of being able to um, like past the point of being tadpoles. So she just didn't grab any. So that's one more thing I would love to try is tadpoles. Maybe that's like the like the kindergarten like um, trifecta of like one year just getting the tadpoles, the chicks or ducks and the butterflies like getting all three one year would be like a great accomplishment somehow. But yeah, well, I'll try that one year is getting the tadpoles as well. But yeah, I love those learning experiences in the classroom. They've always been so positive for us. And, you know, even though not all the eggs did hatch, like we had prepared the kids for the eggs just not hatching. I've never had like horror experiences where like a a, a chick or a duck has died after hatching like they've all survived um I did have one duck half hatch out of an egg and never fully hatch out you know sometimes that happens um I after I realized that it wasn't you know um trying to get out of the egg anymore I was wondering like I looked up online like what should I do and I did try helping it but it was it had already passed but like when I um, had realized that so you know after school the custodian helped me like wrap up the eggs that hadn't hatched I didn't do this in front of the kids I wrapped up the eggs that hadn't hatched and you know we brought them to be disposed of properly just so um, we didn't want to dispose of them in the school because they do start to smell after a while and so we brought them and I didn't do that in front of the kids they came in the next day and they said what happened to the eggs and I explained like you know we we talked about not all eggs are going to hatch the eggs didn't hatch and so we um took them away and they were fine you know it's part of that life cycle they have to understand that not all the eggs are going to hatch and so yeah I I really have enjoyed all of those experiences. I hope that um, you're able to try at least one of those out. If you have any other animals that you have like raised in your classroom, I'd love to hear about it. We've done, well, I've like had fish in the classroom as well. I obviously didn't raise the fish. It was already fully grown when I got it. But um, if you've had any other experiences of other animals that you've raised in the classroom, I'm trying to think if there would be like anything else that you could do in the classroom and I can't think of anything but um, please let me know if there's other ones that I really need to try out with my students I'd love to hear it um, maybe ones that you can do like throughout the year instead of like these are mostly spring ones maybe there's some that I'm I don't even know that could be happening earlier in the year as well I'd love to hear about them um, let me know uh, you can let me know by messaging me. I have my blog that um, you can send emails to or on Instagram. I'm always on Instagram. You can send me a message or comment every Thursday. I post about that week's podcast episode. So if you want to uh, comment on this week's um, Instagram post, you can do that as well or just send me a message. I'd love to hear about your experiences with life cycles in the classroom. It's always so much fun and I love talking about it and I'm glad I made this um, the topic of this week's episode. But thank you so much for joining me. Make sure you are following me on whichever podcast platform you're listening to this podcast on right now. I put out new episodes every Tuesday. Thank you so much for joining me and I will talk to you all again next time. Bye. Bye.